0: I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We're going to go through the book of Genesis chapter 27. We're going to be moving, continually moving forward. And I hope you're ready. I am. It is a interesting chapter. It is a very pivotal chapter, actually, scripturally speaking, and uh, it is a a pivotal chapter for a lot of reasons. And one of the reasons is because if you take the outside view of this chapter and just look at it from a, I guess what the best way for me to describe it is, look at it from a a historical view, looking back, you realize, especially looking back scripturally speaking in the New Testament, you realize. That In the New Testament, God tells us that his plan for these two boys, Isaac, Jacob, and Esau, his purpose and his plan for these two boys was that he had already chosen Jacob. He decided that Jacob would be the one who would carry on his line. He would be the one who would be the, the one in which he would call Israel and that he would work his will and his way out through through Jacob. And we know that uh, because many places in the New Testament refer to this story. The issue is, though, as we're studying through Genesis chapter 27, as we're studying through it, what I think is so interesting to look at is the, the desire by all the parties to manipulate God's will. to As if God's plan, God's anointing, God's work in somebody's life is something that can be manipulated by uh, doing something the right way, doing a ritual in the right way or trick somebody into giving you their portion of what God has or or deciding how you're going to work things out in a backhanded way rather than actually dealing with your family. And obviously this family is d- dysfunctional. Isaac and his wife Rebecca obviously have a conflict in their relationship in some way as far as their sons are, are involved. It's quite apparent that Esau is a rebellious person. He's a person who is not chasing after God. He's willing to give up his birthright for a bowl of soup. And I think it's interesting that for a little bit of food, Paul loses everything. He also uh, marries two women that are Hittites, and uh, they worship uh, many gods. They worship the false gods. And and so you can tell that his character, he's not the type of person in which God's promises are going to be fully fulfilled. He's not someone to entrust uh, God's will and God's plan. Then you've got, uh, and so Isaac loves him and is, has chosen him as his favorite. And uh, that's purely for worldly worldly reasons because he's a manly man. He's, a, he's always out there searching, hunting, and doing things that they just, they're things that men like for their boys to do. And he meets Jacob's desires as far as a son is involved. And so Jacob's playing favorites. And then you've got Rebecca and she loves Isaac and she loves Jacob and she wants to play favorites with him also. And so you have all this playing favorites and trying to jockey for position and trying to get God's done. And let me say a couple of things right before we go into it. And one of the main things I want to say is you cannot manipulate God's will. God's will is perfect and pleasing. and It's already been established. It's not something that you can go out there and manipulate and change. Second of all, God has determined how he's going to work things out. And just because God chooses a way that you don't think is acceptable to you or he chooses to do things in a way that you don't see as reasonable is it's not your position to decide whether or not God's doing the right thing. In fact, he quite clearly says many times in scripture that the ways he way he does things is normal or common to everybody. He doesn't do the things the way man sees things as the way they ought to be done. He does things the way he wants wants to do things. He confounds the rich and the wise. And he takes the poor and the weak, and he does great things with them. And he reveals his glory and who he is, his majesty and his work. He reveals all in the world, his own terms, in his own way. And he wants to prove that, especially through us, and if you listen to the sermon yesterday, especially through us, he wants to prove that he can take that which is broken and do great things, fix it and make it alive and do great things with it. And oftentimes when we try to choose how God's going to do his will, we are deciding, trying to decide something that's already been decided. What we need to do is seek God's will, seek his plan. And giving, you cannot pass the anointing that you have. You can't pass the blessings that you have. You can't pass them on intentionally to one, one child and not the other. You can't, that's not how that works. You pass on who you are to those around you, by living your life with them and living your life through them. And sure, do they, do they get the good and the bad? They do. But they have to determine how they walk in that. And they have to determine how much faith they live in as they, as they decide to walk in that. And when we re- read verse uh, chapter 27, I want you to read it with the eye and with the understanding that these people are manipulating something and trying to manipulate something that can't be manipulated. It can't be, God gets to decide these things, not man. It says in verse one, it says, now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim. I love that that phraseology, that alliteration there. His eyes were dim that he could not see and that he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son. And he answered him, here am I, here I am. Notice normally that phraseology is used when God calls, When the Spirit of God calls on somebody with Samuel, when he's in the high priest's house and the Spirit of God calls out to him at night and he thinks it's the priest and he goes running in there and he says, finally the priest realizes that God's talking to him. I'm quite sure that Esau, because Isaac loved him so much and because Isaac favored him, he he played on that and he made sure that he uh, he served Isaac because he thought Isaac was the source of his blessing and he thought Isaac was the place where he was gonna get God's best. Then he said, "Behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death." And by the way, that's a great—that's a great understanding to have right there too. He doesn't know the day of his death. The Bible says, "God has numbered the days for our days, past which we cannot go." He, you don't know when you're going to pass, and you don't have. You're not in charge. I can't say that enough. The, one of the main principles of scripture is God is sovereign and he's in control. And so many times we love to be in control. You do. You love it. You love to be in control and you want to be in control. You want to be in charge of everything that's going to happen in your life. You want to decide everything. And let me tell you something, it's not how God works. He gives you the opportunity to trust him, He gives you the ability to trust him, He gives you that gift. To learn how to trust Him and to learn how to put your will in His will and align your will with His plan and make your life such that you're chasing after what He's doing. And sure, that's a choice that you get to choose, but that's a choice of choosing either His will or not His will. And it's not it's not a choice of, of whether or not I can decide to change or to make God's will one way or the other. I can't do that. What I've got to do is i got to seek it and find it and then begin to order my life in line with it i don't decide it on my own he says now that now therefore please take your weapon and your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me and make me savory food such as i love and bring it to me that i may eat that my soul may bless you before i die now notice even isaac thinks that he can barter his anointing god's blessing that he can barter that and pass that on to Esau. No wonder Esau and Jacob and Rebekah thought that's what happened. But if you'll remember, every time God mentions that, that plan and that blessing to Isaac, and it's been, we've been through it a couple of times, every time he brings it up, he says, I am go-, God says to Isaac, I am going to fulfill my promise to your father Abraham. And I'm going to bring make great nations of you. And I'm going to bring about, and let me, you need to hear this. You need to hear this. He, It was the promise made to Abraham. It wasn't the promise made to, it wasn't the promise made to Isaac. It was the promise made to Abraham. And God is reaffirming that promise through Isaac. And Isaac, for some reason, got in his head that he was the one who was the arbiter of that promise. That because God kept telling him, I'm going to fulfill that promise that I made to your father through you. He thinks that he gets to decide how that promise is meted out. And so he, in his own life, uses it as a tool to manipulate people and to manipulate his son and to manipulate his family. And he is literally doing the same thing. He says, if you make me some savory food, and let me tell you something, I can identify with that. I like some savory food. For those of you who know me, I'm a big old boy. I'm a lot less large than I was before, but I love some savory food. There ain't nothing wrong with a little bit of savory food, okay? And But he thinks that if his son will go make him some savory food, now notice the transitive nature of what he's offering. He's offering something eternal for something that's base and transient. It'll be gone the minute he's got it in his hand. Yep, that's the way it is with me. If you give me some savory food, there won't be many, much savory food left in a few minutes because I will be eating the savory food fast. Really, that's transient. That's passing. That's, that, that's, that's a weight to a man's heart. But the problem is that you got to keep giving him some so that his heart is still warm. He is using this as a bartering tool for something that's intensely spiritual and intensely, uh, intensely purposeful according to God's will. Make me some savory food such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Notice, he's saying, I'm going to give you a blessing if you bring me something good to eat. Sure, is there blessings that we give our children? Absolutely. But he's not talking about that. He's talking about the actual plan and will of God and that he's going to pass on to Esau the line and the plan God has. And that's not for him to give. And it's sure not for him to give and to barter using food and whatever else. The plan and the will of God is something that is very, and I try to in my own ministry, it is something that's very intimate. It is something that is very personal. And it is something that is very important for the individual to begin to find and to plan and to work out in their, I try not to, in my preaching or my teaching, to manipulate you into doing something I want you to do. I try to make sure that I preach God's word and teach God's word and then lay it out there and ask you, what is God saying to you about this? If somebody comes to me with a problem or question and they want me to tell them what they should do in their life, I always ask them, what is God telling you to do? And the reason is because God's will and God's plan for your life His work in your life, that will and that plan is very intimate and it's very personal and it cannot be determined by another person. It's something that God is jealous about and wants to work out in your own life with you. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want you to send Moses up on top of the mountain to find out what God's got to say. He wants you to come up on top of the mountain. He wants you to search out his will and his plan for you. And I try to be very cognizant of that because the only way for a person to ever really fully understand and walk and have God's very best for his life is that they seek it out and find it themselves, that that burning bush on top of that mountain and that you go up and you check it out and you initiate initiate the relationship, not someone else initiate it for you, that you seek God out with your own heart. And it can't be done by somebody else giving it to you or opening the door for they can open the door by giving you god's word and god's truth but you've got to go through that door you've got to you've got to that that's what god wants for you and notice now rebecca was listening when isaac spoke to esau his son and see she believed that that Isaac could just pass it on and decide where, how God's will was going to work out. And Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. So Rebecca spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me, that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Notice she's bought in to hook, line, and sinker to this whole idea that God's will is fungible. It's, and fungible means I can sell it for something. And she thinks that God's will and God's blessing and God's anointing is a fungible thing and that it can just be passed on by you bartering for it in some way. She believes it because that's the way Isaac's lived his life. That's the way he's thought about God's will. He didn't hear God say, listen, I'm going to fulfill the promise I made to Abraham, your father and i'm going to fulfill it through you because i've chosen to he heard it i've chosen you and you get it. and it's a special it's a special ring of power that i've given you to quote the lord of the rings it's not a ring of power that he's given us it's an anointing it's a plan for our lives ourselves and then we pass on we pass on the good and the pleasing gifts that god has to others and our family by living it out and by by living that anointing out for them in their presence so that they can see so that they can see God and they can understand his will and his plan for them but you can't it's not something that you just wake up and pass on and she thinks it is too that's what's going on here she thinks that she can trick it out and make it happen and by the way Esau's already proven that he's a person that is not capable of hold, holding that anointing or holding that plan he's already given it away himself and that you say, was that really an act of giving it away? It's not, the issue is not what he did. The issue is the heart issue that caused him to do what he did. And that that is an important principle. A lot of times the things that we say and the things that we do in our lives are not the issue. The issue is what's causing us to say them and do them. And that's, the book of James really deals with that really well. It it explains that that of the overflow, Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What I say reflects what I believe and also very importantly James says faith says faith without works is dead what he's saying is my works my actions should reflect what I believe and quite clearly Isaac thought that he could pass it on himself and that he was the arbiter of God's plan and not God himself and everybody around him believed it also so Rebecca, she's working out this deal. She says, "Now th- therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you." Notice she's manipulating. That is a straight line of manipulation. We got Isaac mal- manipulating Esau. We got Re- Rebecca manipulating Jacob. What a, what a, what a tangled web we weave when we, once we try to deceive. I think that's what it is. That sounds about right. It was close. It was in the neighborhood. It was at least in the same town, okay? I was in the same town with that one. He says, now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me for, from there two choice kids of goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father such as he loves. What, she's not even going to get J- Jacob to, to uh, make it himself. She's going to make it. Notice that is just straight manipulation too. It's so much manipulation going on here as if you could manipulate God's will. And that's the important thing. You waste all your time rather than seeking God's will, trying to manipulate God's will. I want to ask you something. Do you do that? Do you spend time trying to manipulate god's will rather than actually seeking god's will do you try to work out deals with god god if you'll do this i'll do let me say this that's not how god's will works and you i've done i've had my bouts in my time in my past of trying to tell god if you do this i promise you i'll do that and let me tell you something i'm such a terrible promise keeper in that area that it would be foolish for God already knows me. If you're making promises that you can't keep, He already knows you're making promises you can't keep. Quit trying to make those promises. Quit trying to manipulate those things into a certain way. He already knows you're talking to the God who knows everything. And it's also dishonoring to Him to treat Him as if He's not omnipotent. He is. He knows everything. And He knows your heart. And what He wants you to do is He wants you to turn that heart over to Him. He wants you to. Lay that heart at his feet and allow him to show you his will and his ways. And listen, the manipulated things that you want to have happen in your life are far less than what God's planned for your life. I want you to hear that. They are so finite. They're so small. They're so weak, they're so nothing. Do you not think that God's going to take care of Isaac and make sure he's got some savory food to eat before he dies? We all do that. We take care of folks who are passing away and we try to give them whatever they want in their last days of their life. That goes on around us all the time. He didn't have to try to manipulate to get that. He just, All he had to do really probably was ask for that. He was a rich man, a wealthy man, a man of power and influence. He didn't have to manipulate his son this last way to try to get that. And it is in comparison to God's promises and God's plan for your life. It is such a small view of who God is to act this way. And and I think chapter 27 is a pivotal chapter in scripture. First of all, to understand the sovereignty of God and God's plan is going to be at work no matter what. But it's also very important for you personally because we need to understand that God's plans for us and God's work in our life is so much bigger than something you can conceive or that some, especially something that you can manipulate. Don't do that. Just seek God's will out and God's plan and allow Him to open mighty doors before you because He's going to and He desires to. But you got to trust Him for it. And you got to not trust yourself in your ability to make something happen that really wasn't ever going to happen anymore.